Hi. Good evening, everybody. It's great to see everyone back again to meeting number 24 of the General Plan Advisory Committee. We have some familiar faces and a few new faces this evening as well. Um, mine's a familiar face, hopefully. Susan Harden, part of the consulting team, will be helping to run the meeting tonight. Matt Ramey, also a familiar face, managing on the project on the general plan on the consulting side. And new to his team is Sasha, Sasha Chichov, who's also helping and was doing a lot of the amazing map work um, that we'll be reviewing tonight as well. We at the city now has a new community development director, Rachel Diamond, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I think I heard some what's there. As of today, I, I am going to be the new community development director at the city of Ventura. My name is Rachel Diamond. Thank you. I haven't met most of you, so I'm super excited to get to know all of you and be part of the community moving forward, and particularly this process, which many of you have been involved in for quite some time. Um, so I just want to thank all of you for your involvement and um, particularly those of you in the audience that are here um, You don't have to be here and your involvement is so pivotal to the city and to this moment So thank you so much for your participation and with that we have a pretty full evening mostly focused on parks and recreation But we are going to dip into a little bit of land use and talk more generally about um, The process so thank you again, and I'll turn it back over to our team at Remy. Thank you so much. We also, in the interest of talking about parks tonight, um, we have a couple of members of the parks team that will be joining us as well. Um, Emily Post, no, Emily Fox will be joining us in a little while, um, but we have Stacy Zorzusa, who is the new parks director, and she'll be here to answer questions and be able to participate with us as well. Stacy's not new to the city, however, just newly promoted, I believe, right? So that's very exciting. A lot of things, fun things happening here at the city. Go to the next. And just a reminder, thank you again to all of the GPAC members. You can see all of the GPAC members' names on the screen there. I have a feeling we'll have a, a few stragglers coming in as well. We've had a little bit of a hiatus. Got to get back in the groove, right? Getting to the city hall, figure out how long it takes again. So we're really excited to jump back into the general plan work, particularly this last kind of phase as we work towards the finish line of getting a general plan fully drafted and completed. So tonight, we are gonna be focused on a few different things. Um, we'll go through our introductions and welcome, which we just did. Matt will, is going to review the results of the land use process, which was a long and arduous process for the GPAC, also went through the Planning Commission, went through the City Council. He's just gonna walk everyone through that process again, just as a reminder, and also just to let you all know where things landed, just so you have that as a point of reference. Um, that has been approved or endorsed by the council, so we're not here to tweak anything, but we wanna make sure everyone has a good solid understanding of what changes were made based on what the GPAC's recommendations were. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about the schedule, um, including the, the number of meetings that we have left, how we wanna use that time over the next several months um, to complete the general plan, and then jump into our really deep topic, which is parks and open space. Um, we are gonna have a presentation on parks and open space, and then we're gonna pause and have public comment so that when we do then break into small discussion groups, you'll have that public comment to kind of stew on and think about as well. And then we'll have you break out from those breakout groups and share what you talked about in your smaller group. We know that parks and recreation is a, parks and open space recreation is a really important topic. And we acknowledge that we might not get through it all tonight. So we have saved space in tomorrow night's meeting agenda as well to continue to talk about it if, we, if it's, that time is needed as well. But we do wanna get to the parks and open space topic hopefully right around seven. So we're gonna try to, to work towards that. Talk a little bit about wrap up and then we'll move on. No, you're good. 
So since it's been a while, we'll just remind ourselves the protocol for the meeting tonight. Um, we just wanna make sure that everyone in the room, our team, the GPAC and the public are all speaking respectfully to one another, that we're not talking over each other or interrupting anyone as well. Um, I did note the public comment period, so if you do want to speak, please just put your first and last name on one of these yellow cards and I'll make sure to, we, um, to collect those and we'll have a chance for um, that, that public comment before we move into the GPAC tabletop discussions. All right, so with that, I will turn it over to Matt to talk about the land use process. Hey, thank you, Susan. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. It's nice to see you all. It's, it's um, been a short minute since we have all been together, since, um, since June, actually. So um, we are, um, we're gonna review the land use process and what, everything that we went through and then the changes that were made to, the, um, to your proposed land use map, the changes that were made by the city council, and then we're gonna talk about, um, about what we have left um, for us as a group and the process. Um, so just as a reminder of where we were um, and what we've done. So our process was, um, we, had, we had 10 GPAC meetings, and those 10 GPAC meetings came after a lot of community engagement. But we had 10 GPAC meetings. There was then, um, last summer, there was a public feedback form on the preferred direction that you all came up with. Um, then in August, the, um, the preferred land use map, um, particularly for the areas of discussion, went to the Planning Commission. They proposed some changes, and then the City Council had four meetings to give their, um, gener their endorsed direction um, with a couple of question marks still. Um, just as a reminder, the meetings that we had um, September of 2022 was an overview of the, of the land use alternatives. Remember, we prepared alternatives to start community discourse. Um, in October of 2022, we had a conversation about water supply and availability of water because that was a big issue through the community process. Uh, November, we talked about the survey results. Um, January, we talked about the process that this group was going to go through to review and provide direction on, uh, on the alternatives and, and a preferred direction. Um, and then what we ended up doing was marching through different geographic areas and having a discussion. And if you'll remember, we, we got to the point of doing voting um, and where it was generally um, two thirds majority was what we were looking for um, for every topic. And so we got to that for, um, for really for all of the areas. Um, and we had meetings in February, uh, February 21st, March 6th and 7th, March 21st, um, and then April 18th to discuss all of the, um, all the, the proposed direction for each area. We then did a community, a, um, a feedback form for all of you for whether that was actually the right direction and then that opened up a couple of more suggestions and so in June we had the final um, review and the final preferred land use map. And so that's what went to the planning commission. Um, actually, that's what went to the public. For the public, um, I forgot this slide was here. So the, the result of all of the work that you did was essentially overall there was a limited number of land use changes that you all recommended and a lot of areas remained the same. Um, most of those of the areas had two-thirds agreement um, where there were dissenting opinions on the, the land use. There was no clear direction. There were lots of different ideas. Um, the um, and then there were lots, and we'll get into this later, but there were lots of policy ideas 
for land use change, for parks and open space, for arts and culture, for lots of other topics. Um, and then we also had made some changes to the proposed land use designations for what the GPAC had identified. And so all of that information then went to the public and we had um, uh, what we called uh, feedback forms open for the public. We had a high level feedback form, which was sort of more citywide and, and broad. And then we had um, detailed feedback forms for the different geographic areas. And so in total, we had over 1,100 responses. Um, we had um, the feedback forms were open for just over a month, June 30th to August 2nd. And then that information was provided to the Planning Commission and the City Council as they were doing their review of the map. The Planning Commission had two meetings on August 22nd and 23rd. Um, there was public comment at the first meeting. And um, for the most part, the Planning Commission agreed with the GPAC's, uh, with the GPAC's um, land use direction. They did make changes to five, recommended changes to five different areas. Um, those are, are listed up here. I'm not gonna go into detail on those because ultimately what we wanna talk about is where it ended up, which is what the City Council decided to do. Um, um, just, just as a note though, um, there was one change that was made uh, by the Planning Commission um, on the west side, which was a recommended change to have all of the general industrial change to light industrial uses, and that actually became sort of the, um, the, the flashpoint at the first, the first council meetings. Um, and ultimately, the council reversed that direction and uh, agreed with the GPAC direction of keeping the mix of general industrial and light industrial on the west side. Um, so, then it went on to the council, and there were four council meetings to discuss the proposed land use designations and the, the maps for the areas of change. Those meetings were on September 11th and September 25th, um, and then October 9th and October 23rd. There were public comments at every one of the meetings, um, and um, I, I didn't tally completely, but I think there were at least 150 public comments at all of those meetings. So there was definitely a lot of community input um, into the land use process at the council meeting. Um, the city council supported many of the GPAC decisions um, including full agreement of land use designations for the SOAR areas, Arendelle and North Bank, downtown, and Victoria. Um, they made proposed changes to some parcels in, in the rest of the areas, and we're gonna actually walk through really quickly what the changes that they made were so that everyone is on the same page. Um, and again, they, they agreed with, um, there was one area on the west side that they decided to come back to um, because it wasn't gonna change how we needed to move forward with our process. Um, and so that was an area of um, proposed commercial um, at the intersection of Stanley and Ventura Avenue. And so the council is gonna come back to that the next time we go back to them. So essentially this is the endorsed map, but there's still an area where um, there's a question mark. Um, so I'm just gonna walk through each of the geographic areas um, quickly so we're all on the same page. So SOAR, there was full agreement with the GPAC. Um, Arendelle and North Bank, same thing. Um, the city council also identified the need for a specific plan on the, the McGrath property, and I think you all did as well. Um, so that was an important, uh, important addition um, and confirmation. Um, the downtown uh, was um, agreed with everything that the GPAC um, proposed. Um, and then the, um, 
there was one change that the council made, which isn't really a change, which was to study um, a taller uh, structure where the parking garage is now. Um, but that was the only change with no real land use, but just to study that through the EIR process. Um, Victoria, there was um, full agreement with, um, with the proposed direction from the GPAC as well. Um, the west side, again, there was really full agreement with the exception of this one area that I mentioned um, and that there wasn't necessarily disagreement. There was just um, deciding to go back and revisit this when there was a little bit more time. Um, for the Midtown Corridors, um, this was the first area where, um, that we're going to talk about where there was a change from what you all recommended to what the, um, to what the city council proposed. So um, the GPAC proposed mixed use four, um, and we did change the nomenclature of the designation so that mixed use four is now four stories, mixed use three, three stories, mixed use five, five stories, mixed use six, six stories. Um, to make that clearer, we said we were gonna do that. So the GPAC proposed mixed use four, and the city council um, endorsed um, keeping it as mixed use three, which is essentially what it is now. Um, for the Five Points and Pacific View Mall, um, the, the council agreed with the majority of the direction that the GPAC um, identified, but there are two areas that were identified as mixed use four, that you all identified as mixed use four, and that the council decided to um, drop down to mixed use three. Um, and you can see these two areas along Telegraph Road. It's essentially on either side of the um, either, either side of Pacific View Mall. Um, for Johnson, there were a few other changes that were made here. There's probably more substantial here in this area. Um, the changes that were made by the city council, um, the GPAC um, in the um, lower right-hand corner along Johnson proposed mixed use four, and the city council reduced that to mixed use three. Um, the triangle area, which is what we call it, which was like area two on, I believe area two on the, on the discussions that we had, um, this was um, split up. The GPAC proposed mixed use four for this whole area, and the council decided to keep the, um, the right-hand portion, which is one parcel that's outlined in black, um, as light industrial flex, uh, and then to change the left parcel um, in the left area to mixed use three. So reduce it from mixed use four to mixed use three there. Um, the council also made a change to the parcels that you see outlined in the upper left-hand corner there in um, outlined in black, that's general, industrial, and commercial, and the council changed those to mixed use three. Um, for the college area, there were a couple of changes that were made. Um, the shopping center, um, on, I can't remember the name of the street, I apologize, Ashwood. Um, they, the council changed that from mixed use five, which is what the GPAC had proposed, um, to neighborhood center. Neighborhood center, if you'll remember, is primarily a shopping center um, and commercial, but allows um, a portion of the parcel to be residential. Um, the council also um, changed the, the parcel on uh, the, the large shopping center on Victoria, which um, you all had proposed as a neighborhood center. Um, they changed that back to commercial. Um, and just to be clear, the, the map that we're seeing here is what you all proposed, and we're outlining what the council had changed. Um, on the east side, the council identified these two different areas 
um, and decided instead of having them as neighborhood center, which is what the GPAC identified, to um, move them to commercial. Um, and then with, um, with Pierpont, um, there were two changes that the council made. Um, first is the, um, the, what everyone calls the, the, the packing plant. Um, the GPAC didn't actually give direction on that. This was from staff interpreting what council had done, which was um, residential, um, four-story, multifamily. So there wasn't a discussion that you all had about that. So want to be clear, it was, um, it was staff directed at the GPAC meetings that, that's, that it should be four-story, multifamily. And the city council changed that to um, neighborhood low-medium. So they reduced the development. Um, capacity in the heights on that area. Um, and then for the Marina, uh, uh, the Marina Village Shopping Center, the council changed that from mixed use three, which is what uh, U.S. had identified to a neighborhood center, again, to make sure that the commercial is maintained. Um, ultimately, this was the endorsed um, land use map by the city council. There were also the, all of the other areas of the city that were um, that were identified through the process, which was really a, a transcription of zoning into the new land use designations. Um, you can see that the one area on the west side, a little bit hard to see, but that area is outlined just to identify that it's still open for, um, open for discussion. Um, the next steps in the process for the land use map, um, again, it's endorsed, but endorsed doesn't mean final. It's not final until the, it's part of the general plan and adopted as part of the general plan. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to publish this land use map, and we are going to allow for public comments on any map issues or property owner requested changes. We do know that since, um, as, as always happens, once you get through all of this process, some people um, who maybe um, haven't been paying as close attention um, want to provide some recommendations. So we're opening it up. Um, it's really not supposed to be focused on the areas of discussion because those have already been really um, discussed by the city council. Um, but the idea is that the, um, the public can make comments on specific parcels or specific areas that you think may have a wrong land use designation based on the existing zoning or the existing general plan. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be putting um, that out um, to the public and having a form that people can fill out if anyone has any, um, identifies what they think are any issues. And then that will go back to the council at some point um, in the spring or early summer. Um, we're also going to finish up all of our technical analysis, um, the no net loss analysis, which is the state required making sure that the, um, <clears throat> the total capacity, residential capacity of the city remains the same. Um, we are going to do a conformance with making sure that all of the parcels identified in the housing element are, um, are still correct. We have to do growth projections for the EIR. And again, I want to be clear that the growth projections are not a statement of policy. It's really so we can have some amount of growth that we're predicting in the future that can be analyzed as part of the environmental impact report. And then that will put us into all of the technical analysis for the environmental impact report <coughs> on transportation, noise, air quality, and greenhouse gas emissions. Right now, we are tentatively supposed to go back to the city council on March 19th to talk about um, and present the growth projections. This is going to be a council decision. Um, and then at some point later in the spring or early summer, we'll, have, we'll come back with any changes that were identified or, or issues that were identified through the public process for the land use map.
Um, okay, so that is it on the steps um, on what we did um, to get to where we are um, today for the endorsed map. Um, as you can see, all of the work that you all put into the map was really well received. Um, there really were not a lot of changes by the council. Yes, there were some, um, but that's what we expect that when it goes to the council, things are gonna change a little bit. So um, a lot, a lot, a lot of the recommendations that you made were endorsed by the city council. So you all should congratulate yourselves because it was a lot of work that was put in um, and it wasn't overturned. It was really, um, really supported predominantly by the planning commission and then by the city council. Um, so with that. Um, yeah, we just wanna pause for a minute to see if there are any questions for or clarification um, on this process. So I'll go to Kyler. Thank you for that update. Um, I guess my question is um, that last slide that you showed in terms of checking conformance with the housing element and uh, with no net loss. This is a concern we had even when GPAC was producing the consensus that we were hovering really right around no net loss. Um, so I guess, can you walk us through if you find out that we're not um, in compliance with no net loss, what's that process gonna look like? And I guess I just wanna hear how we're gonna make it open and transparent for the public um, because there's a very technical analysis that you have to do. And so how do we make sure that the public is aware of what staff has to do? Yep. Okay, so um, let me start with the first thing that you asked, which was on the housing element. Um, so if you'll remember, there's a housing element. The housing element has to identify specific parcels with zoning, and we think everything is the same. We think we're, we're fine with that, but we just need to do a double check with that. So I don't think there's gonna be any changes. Obviously, if there's anything on the map that is an issue, we're gonna have to convert it to what the adopted housing element was. So the housing element is gonna trump any decision, but I don't think there are any. If there are, we can let you know what they are if there's anything major. Um, in terms of the no net loss analysis, um, this is a very technical analysis and very squirrely. Um, it, is not, um, it is not easy to do, and we were doing that, but we were focused really only on the areas of discussion. With a no net loss analysis, we were had to look at, at citywide, and there were changes with um, general plan and um, from what the current general plan is to what the, this general plan has because there are so many more land use designations. Um, our preliminary analysis is that we seem to be pretty close, like pretty much right on. So we think we're comfortable now unless there are some significant changes that go through the process. Um, We'll talk to um, to the city staff. We'll talk to Rachel about how we publish that information. Um, you know, again, the, one of the challenges is actually with the way your current general plan and regulations are for how you actually calculate what density is currently allowed. Because you're supposed to look at the general plan. There's commercial. Your commercial land use designation in the general plan allows housing, but there is no density number makes it hard to calculate a number. So again, there's, there's sort of question marks about how we do this, which is good because it gives us a little bit of flexibility with that. Um, but again, if, if there is an issue, we are going to go back to the council um, and the council will need to make the decision on this. It is not something that we are expecting to come back to the GPAC on to provide input. But we'll, um, we'll definitely make sure we address it and make sure yeah. everyone's up to speed on what the, where, where it's headed before it goes to council. And if the council sends it back to you, 
fine. Um, at this point, we don't expect there would be major changes, and then we would have to ask council's direction on what to do. This is Scott McCarty. Um, I have a question about the growth projections uh, for the EIR as part of the technical analysis. Is the plan to use already established analyses done by the state with regard to growth projections, or are we going to use some kind of in-house uh, projections that we come up with ourselves? And, and, the way, and yeah. if so, why would we do that as opposed to uh, taking projections that are already in place and, may I say, semi-vetted? Yeah, so good, good question. Um, we could spend a lot of time talking about growth projections. It is actually something I do think about a lot. Um, growth projections serve multiple different purposes. And there are indeed established growth projections that are out there. The Department of Finance does projections. They do a sort of a macroeconomic analysis and apply growth to different areas. Um, SANDAG, uh, sorry, um, SCAG, the Southern California Association of Governments, does projections. Their most recent projections don't take into account the latest RENA numbers. So if we actually did that, we would actually be below the RENA numbers that they allocated to the city, the housing numbers. Um, and so what we are going to do is we are going to use our own methodology, but take those other factors into consideration. And again, the purpose of growth projections is to identify a realistic but potentially larger amount of growth, but realistic, so that we can analyze the environmental impacts of that and do infrastructure planning. So no one knows what is needed um, in terms of growth um, beyond what the city has. So we will have to, we will use our own methodology. Um, the council in 2022, July of 2022, endorsed two to three times RENA. So that would be about 10,600 to 15,900. Given that there weren't land use, a lot of land use changes in the map to enable that, I think that number is probably going to be lower. But we'll go through a methodology um, and then um, have that methodology transparent. And there's, there are dozens and dozens of different ways of doing this. So there will be an in-house methodology that builds on other published numbers and processes. Any other clarification questions on the land use process before we jump into talking about the general plan more broadly, kind of jumping back into the bigger picture. Nothing? All right. Okay. Um, and, and then, you know, if questions do arise after, feel free to, about the process or specific map changes, feel free to shoot us an email and we'll do our best to respond and answer. And we have tomorrow night too. Yep, we have tomorrow night too. Okay, now let's talk about the project schedule going forward. And we're going to talk about project schedule and then the outline of the general plan uh, together as one topic, and then we'll have a discussion around that. Okay, so <clears throat> these are the major steps, sort of the four major steps we have left in our process. Um, we are working and working now on what we call policy development. So we're going through the topics of the general plan and we're developing preliminary goals, policies, and actions, um, some of which will come to the GPAC, all of which are going to be worked internally um, with city staff. And so we're doing that in winter and spring of this year. Once we get feedback um, on this, we then actually go into drafting the general plan and the EIR. 
in order for us to start working on the EIR, the Environmental Impact Report, we need to have the growth projections because that will enable us to do the traffic analysis, which in turn will enable us to do the noise and air quality and GHG analysis. So it's sort of a stepwise process. The EIR also needs the goals, policies, and actions to be somewhat stable so that, they, that the EIR team, which is um, run, gonna be prepared by a firm called RINCON, which is based here in Ventura, um, they will be able to do the analysis of the general plan for the, the physical potential, physical environmental impacts. So that's the draft general plan and EIR, and that's gonna be starting in the spring um, and then into the summer um, of this year. Um, at some point in the late summer or fall, we're going to publish the draft general plan and EIR together. Um, we may put out the general plan ahead of the EIR so you can start looking at that um, while the EIR is being completed, um, or we'll put the two out together. It's a lot to read if we put the two out together. So that will be sometime in, <coughs> in summer to fall, and then really late fall of this year and then into winter of 2025. Um, we are going to go through the hearing process. So that's where the, the um, boards and commissions, particularly the planning commission, um, makes a recommendation and then that goes to the council and the council um, adopts the general plan with any changes that have been identified along the way. So we are looking at approximately one year from now by the time that we get through. Um, it seems like a long time there is um, there is a lot of time that we have sort of behind the scenes actually writing the draft of the plan, you know, after we've gotten input, reviewing with staff, doing the layout, having the technical team do write the EIR. So there's a lot of time that sort of we're off working um, doing that technical work before it comes back to the public. Um, the um, moving into what your role is for the rest of the project. If you all remember, in, um, in November, we put out a little feedback form survey for all of you to get um, information on what topics you wanted to talk about for the remainder of the project. Are you all having a hard time seeing this? I see a lot of squinting. Um, it's a little small. We, we, we'll, we'll send this out. Um, so anyway, we asked you all to pick your, I don't I can't remember what it was, four topics, five topics, three topics that you were most interested in. I can't remember the number. It was last year. It was a year ago. Um, and so this was in, in descending order, the topics that you all as the GPAC said that you wanted to talk about. So parks and open space today, the number one topic that came up. Um, traffic and roadways, infrastructure, residential neighborhoods, economic development, <coughs> pedestrian, bicycle, and transit, environmental justice, and public health. So all of those were in the, you know, 50% or more of GPAC members said that you wanted to talk about those. Moving down the list was arts and culture at 40%, and then everything else was below 30%. Local coastal plans, sea level rise, climate change, natural hazards, historic preservation, and public facilities and services. And then other topics above noise. So, um, so anyway, so this was the list, and so based on this is what we are proposing um, a list of what you all will be working on. There are seven remaining meetings left with the GPAC. We have had, today is 24, so we're getting up to 30 meetings um, with the GPAC, and this is directed by the council. Um, what we are proposing, at least as a starting point for discussion, is that we spend four meetings talking about 
um, different topics. And then we have three meetings talking about the draft general plan and EIR once they are out for public review, so the GPAC can provide recommendations. Um, we are open to how these seven meetings can be organized. Um, we can have it so that we spend six or seven of the meetings talking about specific policy topics, and then there's one meeting to get together to review and provide comments and hear about the draft general plan and EIR. Um, so this is open for discussion, and we really want to make sure that we know um, where you all are with this and what you would like. Um, we'll get some feedback as part of our discussion tonight, and then after we have our conversations tonight on Parks and Open Space and tomorrow on Environmental Justice, we'll circle back to it to make sure, because you may feel differently after these two right, you, you may have a different, a little bit different perspective after we talk through Parks and Open Space and Environmental Justice tomorrow, just kind of seeing the process and have a different perspective on how you want to structure those meetings. But we did want to have a, at least a few minutes um, conversation about that this evening or tonight um, before we start talking, diving into Parks and Open Space. So any preliminary thoughts on this approach? Actually go through. Oh. Yeah, let me just sort of go through quickly. Sure. Um, and I actually want to talk about the, the outline of the general plan. That's right. We have one more. Before we get into that. Um, but be thinking about that because <clears> I'm going to come back. So Parks and Open Space tonight, Environmental Justice tomorrow. Um, in March, right now we have March 19th, but we may be conflicting with council meetings. So we need to circle back on these dates. Um, Rachel will need to talk about that. Um, so um, March, we have slated residential neighborhoods because that was um, a topic that has come up multiple times with this group about um, making sure that the, the quality and character is preserved. Um, and then the safety element, which is topics like police and fire, natural hazards, um, and uh, climate change. And then the next meeting, topical meeting on transportation and infrastructure. Um, if you all rem will remember with transportation, the city just recently, I believe recently adopted the um, active transportation plan, which really deals with a lot of the streets, the pedestrian, the bicycle, the pathways. So a lot of that work has actually been done. That is something that we would do in the general plan. So we'll be incorporating that in. So we have transportation and infrastructure. Two meetings on the general plan, one on the EIR, dates TBD, because we don't know when those are coming out. Um, and then we'll, we'll circle back to this in a minute. Um, then before we get into the topic, um, we just wanted to give you a, a preview of the general plan outline. Now this document went out to all of you and hopefully you had a few minutes to, uh, to peruse this. Hopefully you had more than a few minutes to look at all of the materials. Um, but the overall outline is um, an introduction, chapter, an overview of the, of the process, which is the public process and the steps of updating the general plan, then the vision and guiding principles, which have been endorsed by the city council. Um, then we get into the content chapters, starting with land use and community design, which will have the land use designations, and then um, topics, um, citywide policy topics, and then area-specific topics. And a lot of the area-specific guidance is from the conversations that you all had with the areas of discussion. Um, then mobility and active transportation, traffic roadways, pedestrian bike transit, uh, climate change and sustainability as a separate chapter, GHG reductions, climate adaptation, sea level rise, and resource conservation, um, environmental justice, which we'll again talk about tomorrow night, but that's pollution exposure, food access, safe and sanitary housing, and other topics. Parks and open space, which we're talking about tonight. Um, public facilities and services. Um, schools, public services, infrastructure, uh, safety, 
fire, flooding, emergency evacuation, um, noise, arts and culture, which is right now a separate element um, in the general plan, um, and then historic preservation, which is um, historic um, buildings and resources. And then we'll have a glossary and any other appendices. Um, give me one second, we'll come back to that. Um, in terms of the um, structure of the general plan for the elements or the content chapters, each one of them will actually be structured pretty close to what you are looking at for the parks and open space. And in fact, we wanted to give you more detail in that chapter so you could see generally what the chapters might look like. So we have statutory requirements. So what's required in that element by state law, um, existing conditions, um, a summary of issues and opportunities, and then goals, policies, and actions. Um, goals are defined as broad statements that describe an overall vision or direction. Um, policies are essentially a position statement. So where is the city on a particular topic um, that is designed to support the achievement of the goals by encouraging or permitting certain behaviors or prohibiting certain behaviors? And then there are actions which are specific activities that the city will do to implement the goals and the vision and the direction in the chapter. Think about an action like a to-do list. You can check it off. When you've done it, you know you've done it. That's an action. Um, we are organizing it so that actions are at the end of every chapter rather than associated with goals and policies, which is, I believe, how the current plan is organized. So policies are things that the city implements every day in their day-to-day -day actions. So think of these as ongoing things. Actions are things that are done one time. You prepare a plan. You develop an ordinance. Those are actions. You, you build a roundabout. Those are all actions. Um, okay, so with that, let's move into questions and discussions, and I saw Carba wanted to start. Hey, so I have a question um, the, about the technical analysis and the growth projections that Kyler and Scott brought up. Could those, just like the methodology behind those, be placed in section two that you had outlined where you kind of go through the process? Like, could the methodology for that technical analysis and the growth projections be in the process behind the kind of results that are then throughout the report? Uh, no. The growth projections are only for the environmental impact report. Oh, okay. The so growth they, won't, projections, they won't be in there either? It will not be in the general plan. The growth projections are a, they're not a statement of policy. Even though it's so like foundational to the, what is in the general plan? The general plan, the, it's the, the land use dictates what happens and what can happen. The growth projections are merely a way for us to analyze environmental impacts. Um, it is, and those will be in the EIR, so they will be described in the EIR. Does that make sense? There's questions about that. I know that I know that that your current general plan, I will say your current general plan has the growth has growth projections in the general plan. Um, but what we're doing is we are the general plan is dictating a land use map. We then use a methodology to identify an assumed amount of development that will happen over a 25 year period. You know, it's a guess. But what we're trying to do is come up with something realistic so we can do Infrastructure planning, the city can do infrastructure planning, can identify environmental impacts. So it's not a statement of policy that says if you hit 5,000, 6,000, whatever number of units, you have to stop and we can build no more. You are even not allowed to do that by state law. You're looking at me suspiciously. 
It's, it's connected, because it's in the EIR, it is connected to the general plan. It's not explicitly stated in the general plan document itself, which would be more of a, like, like Matt is saying, more of a policy statement of this is what we're trying to move toward. And, and the other thing is that once the city achieves, like just let's, I'm gonna throw a number out, okay? 5,000 housing units. Um, the general plan will say analyze, and I'm, I mean, say the general plan analyzes 5,000, the EIR analyzes 5,000 housing units. Once the city reaches 5,000 new housing units, they actually can't approve new housing units until an EIR is redone with more, with more growth. So there is essentially a little bit of a catch where you can't approve more than what was analyzed in the environmental impact report. But you could probably still build more. And, and again, that's what, going back to the, um, the previous comment about SB 330, the number of housing units that you can build in this city, in any city, if you look at the maximum number, is far more than you will ever build. So that's why, because there's, there's always technically capacity. Other questions for clarification or comments on the approach at this point? I guess are there um, any thoughts on the four topical meetings and whether that's the right number of topical meetings or whether we want to think about having more on that and less on the general plan and EIR? Um, and again, we can come back to this after we have a couple of conversations. Looks like everyone's still thinking. It's like a good, good one to come back to. And a lot okay. of shaking heads. Okay. So we don't have to, we can mull on it a little bit more. Okay. So I think we're ready to move into parks. Ready to move into parks. You guys, you all have been asking for parks and open space for a very long time as a topic. And we keep saying after land use, after land use. We are after land use. And now we get to talk about parks and open space. So um, just as a reminder again, we're um, going to do a short presentation to provide some, some information, some backup break for public comment to allow the public to provide some input, some thoughts, and then we're going to come back together and have you break into some small tabletop um, groups with maps and, and an actual set of the policies as well, and let you work together to kind of discuss and collaborate a little bit and then share back to the larger group. Um, we'll also have some tables that we all set up for the public to do the same. Um, so there'll be some maps you can mark on and some, some documents as well. So I'll turn it over to Matt. Okay, thanks. Um, thanks, Susan. <clears throat> Just as we're starting, um, we sent out the um, Parks and Open Space Policy Framework, which all of you have in front of you. There's a couple of copies for the public to look at. Um, it is on the website. Um, we are hoping you all read this, um, and um, there'll be a quiz on the topics, but um, we are hoping you all read this because we are not gonna go into detail on everything that is in here in the presentation. We're really gonna talk high level. What we really want out of tonight's conversation is your ideas. Um, is there anything in here that you felt like was off the mark? Are there any topics that you feel like are missing? Um, are there any new policies that need to be added? Um, we, again, we want your thoughts. We're also gonna have maps of the existing parks network and the proposed trails from the active transportation plan. And that's an opportunity for you all to um, share your ideas on those maps about if you think there's an area where there could be a new park or new open space or new access or you want improved parks or open space or 
trails to it or you know safety improvements getting to parks and open space that's what we want you to do we want you to mark up that map so that we have a sense of what we can put in the plan not everything may go in the plan but that's why um, that's why uh, the the parks department is here because they can also um, hear the conversation and then um, if there's anything that i can't answer then um, then stacy and emily can hopefully answer those questions okay now, let's start out with sort of the basic framework, which is that the state law requires there to be an open space element within the general plan. If you remember from the beginning, there are eight required elements of the general plan. One of those is open space. Cities can um, modify and kind of reorganize the topics, um, but the state does say there's an open space element, and these are for policies to protect and maintain undeveloped lands, natural resources, and passive and active recreation areas. So it is required by law that we have a, essentially an open space element that deals with parks and open space and recreational facilities. And so that's what this element is doing. There, um, similar to land use designations, um, there is actually a typology of parks that the city has. And you can see the typology here. There are community parks, which are sort of the big, the big parks that people congregate at. There's neighborhood parks, which serve specific residential areas. There's mini parks, um, which are for serving smaller neighborhoods. And then there's linear parks and greenways. So this is the typology. It's not as strict as a land use designation. Um, there's a lot more flexibility and overlap between these. But if you think about this as, as kind of like the land use type of parks and open space, um, this is what is um, existing right now for actually for the parks. Um, there are, um, this is a summary of some information about existing parks. Really doesn't talk as much about open space here. This is really more of the parks for what the parks department um, has control over and then the public beaches. So there are seven community parks totaling um, over 425 acres. There's 20 neighborhood parks um, at 85 acres. There's 20 mini parks at 10 acres and 21 linear parks at 78 acres. The total acreage for parks in the city is um, 611, and then there's an additional like 226.5, which are public beaches. So when you add all this together, there's you know 835 acres of parks and beaches within the city. Um, one thing that we do as part of planning is look at what we call the, the service ratio, which is the number of parks per thousand residents, um, parks per thousand. And when we just look at parks, the city has about 5.4 acres of parks per thousand residents, which is actually pretty good. Um, the, when you add in the beaches, it's about 7.5 acres per thousand residents, um, which is high. And again, that doesn't even include the open space areas and the access to the open space in the hillsides. Um, the state has a standard for what's called the Quimby Act, um, which is where you can collect fees for, um, for parks and open space, from, for parks from new development, and that's three acres per thousand. So the city exceeds that three acres per thousand. Um, and right now, the existing general plan has a standard of 4.6 um, acres per thousand residents. So you're even exceeding the existing standard that you have in your general plan. Um, and so, you know, overall, well, 
we know that there are there's a need for more parks there's a desire for more parks some of the parks need to be maintained you need new community some new community facilities um, the city's doing pretty well for parks and open space um, overall um, based on this now there's definitely a distribution um, but even that there are a lot of people um, who the majority of residents are within a 15-minute walk of parks and open space um, this is the parks and open space map. You're going to see this map when you're in your small groups. Um, what we have on this map is showing the, um, not only the, the parks and by, by park type, um, but we also have what we, private parks because there are some subdivisions that have private parks um, in them as well and we've mapped those. There are special um, use facilities um, such as the fairgrounds. And then there are schools. And one of the opportunities that I think you all have mentioned and, and um, we've talked about is actually having what's called shared use agreements or joint use agreements with the schools. Um, and we know that the city, or at least recently, they had been starting and having conversations around that. So there's definitely an opportunity there for that. And so that's what um, the map has, this map has as well. Um, this map was put together by, by Sasha and you were also were given um, an online version of this map in ArcGIS Online so that you could zoom in, um, you could um, uh, turn on and off different layers and play around with that, and so you still have that, and I believe the public has access to this as well. Um, so that'll be available just to, um, to look at and provide, uh, so give you some background information. Throughout our process, um, there were a lot of ideas for new parks and open spaces. And this is really to let you know that this is our starting point, which is what you all and the public have said so far throughout the process. Um, it's listed here. It's also on page 13, 13 um, in the, the uh, park and open space policy framework. And, and we actually realized that there was even one missing from this, um, thanks to Susan, she recognized this, that um, on the west side, the school district property uh, on Stanley is an opportunity for a new park, and I don't think that's listed on this, so that should be added to that as well. Um, so anyway, so these are ideas. You have the ideas in your packet, um, at least as a starting point for where new parks and open space can be. Um, <clears throat> the, the policy framework also has identified a, a number of issues and a number of strengths around parks. Um, for the issues, um, there, is, there is no long-range plan. There is no what's called a parks and open space master plan or a parks master plan. Um, and that's something that we, um, the city probably needs to develop at some point. I know park staff is on board with needing to do this. There are existing parks that need improvements. Some of the, the facilities and the infrastructure um, is definitely um, is definitely in need of improvement. Um, the impact fees that are collected from new development so when a new project comes in, they are required to pay a fee or to build parks, and so those impact fees need to be, um, need to be updated. There's a lack of safe access and a lack of access to the beaches. Um, there's a lack of access for, to the parks and open spaces for disabled individuals. There's concerns about trail safety, um, particularly there are concerns about, about homelessness. Um, and then there's overcrowding of some of the smaller parks. And when you look at the map, there's a lot of acres of parks that are located in a couple of very large parks and not as many um, distributed throughout the city. However, um, as we will see, there actually is, um, there actually is pretty good access uh, to the parks 
um, I believe that, uh, I can't remember what the exact number is, but a very large percentage of the population is within a 15 minute walk of some sort of park or open space. Um, so the, the strengths, um, there is a high parks ratio um, at over five per thousand. Um, so there's really good access to the parks themselves. They are actually distributed throughout the city. There is a wide diversity of parks and open spaces when you compared to a lot of other communities. I mean, you not only have your parks in the city, but you also have the beaches and you have the hills. So you actually do have a lot of access and a, a diversity. Um, and with that, again, there's great access to these larger regional open spaces. Um, and there is a relatively large trail network, although we know it's not complete and we know it's not what you want it to be as well. So those are some of the issues and strengths that were identified. Um, the draft policy framework has um, has seven goals identified. Um, I'm not gonna go through the goals or the policies in detail, but suffice to say this is how, essentially how the policy framework is organized at this point. Um, and those are to improve existing parks, open spaces and rec recreational facilities, um, improve access and safety to what you have, um, diversify funding sources, um, protect and improve the open spaces, improve beach amenities and beach access, maintain and improve golf courses, and then maintain and expand the trail network. Um, as I had said previously, there are policies associated with each of the goals, and then actions are at the end of the policy framework, which cover all of the goals. What we would like from you tonight um, first, we want, if, if we want to find out whether there's any questions about any of the information and the background information, um, and I think uh, the, the park staff can help answer those questions. Um, we are going to break into smaller groups and have you um, work and discuss both the policy framework and have maps in front of you. And we'd like your ideas for where there are areas where there should be new parks or open spaces or access to those. We want you to write on the maps. You'll have pens, um, post-it notes you know, the usual planning things for you to give your ideas. So we want, we want your feedback on that. And then we want any comments on the goals, policies, and actions. Are all of the topics covered? Are any goals, policies, or actions missing that we need to add? And should anything be revised or removed because you feel that it's not appropriate? Um, and again, we're gonna, have, we're gonna break into three groups. We're gonna have two tables outside so the public can go out and do the same exercise. We won't do a report back from the public, but we will collect that information and use those ideas as part of updating the policy framework. Um, so with that, I think, why don't we see if there's any questions from yes, the Yes, we wanna start with some again. questions from the GPAC before we jump into the public comment. So, Luis. I have a question. Why are the SOAR lands included with parks? The, um, Agricultural lands within the city are privately owned um, and are places where commercial farming occurs. It, it seems that that's at odds with most of the um, other issues that you wrote up there, which seem to be around access, etc. Increasing public access to privately farmed lands it means that farming will go away. So, so I'm a little confused why the SOAR ag lands are included. Yeah, well, so um, I, I, that's a good question. Um, they're intended because it's parks and open spaces, and agriculture and the larger open spaces are typically seen as open spaces. It doesn't mean that what we're trying to do is encourage access to farming to destroy farming. Um, we can clarify that, but that's really not the intent of it. The idea yeah, it's almost is more that of a visual. It's the soar visual lands are a visual space. open space resource. That 
I, they are, I don't think they're treated the same. So if that's something that's not clear, I think we can clarify that so that can come out in your comments. Yeah, I have a clarifying question. Um, in the presentation and in one place in this policy framework, it says that the city standard is 4.6 acres of parkland per thousand residents. Um, but then elsewhere in the document, it says there's a current policy of 10 acres per parkland. So is that like an aspirational policy that we have that we should be working toward? Or how do those things interplay? Yeah, let me go back and look at that. Um, yeah, and see. it's in the in the actual policy framework as well, but then in the like existing conditions portion, that's what it says the city policy is. As four point, as five as point, 10, oh, as ten. Okay. So let me go back and look at that. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check that. Thanks. I thought I saw somebody else. Thank you. Yeah, I had a question about the current situation. Uh, I don't know if we can talk about that, but specifically on the Ventura. Community Park, the Aquatic Center on Kimball, it's been there for a long time, but there's a lot of unused space, and I know that's a plan. Is there any sense of uh, completion dates or what other things are going to be happening? And maybe some of our park people can talk about that. Uh, we have a beautiful parking lot there now, but there's still lots of other stuff that needs to be added. Stacy, okay. That is ultimately the goal, um, but it does boil down to funding of those built-out amenities. Uh, from the time the park has opened, we've added by piece by piece from a portion of the pinwheel of the softball, the added infrastructure of the parking lots, which is needed to add additional amenities, uh, the added uh, Ramelli entrance for egress. Uh, so we've slowly built out pieces, but ultimately that's that's the goal. Um, but it does boil down to funding those added amenities. Thank you. Great, thank you. I just want to uh, ask: Is um, it's one thing they have the acres of parkland, but as far as accessibility, and um, if, if you draw like a half mile radius anywhere in the city. Would I find a park in every one of those half mile radiuses? Um, I can pull up, why don't, when you're doing your small group discussion, I'll pull up the map from existing conditions um, because we actually have mapped that and we didn't do half mile, I think we did a, um, a minute walk radius so that it actually is, is by the way that people would walk. So if it's a, like across a freeway or there's a barrier, it doesn't count. Exactly, got it, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh. I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll, I see a few of you have it on the screen. I'll, I'll pull it up on the large screen when you all are in your groups and we can come back to that. Any other clarifying questions before we open up for public? Yes. On that previous slide that had um, the list of undesirable and then desirable, you know, where we were below standard, where we were above standard, I think it was before that. You mean this one? Yeah, that one, issues and strengths. Where were these identified? Was that through the survey? No, this was through a variety of sources, including stakeholder interviews, conversations with the Parks Department, um, our own analysis, feedback from the public. So it was sort of a pulling together of So of that's why there's the discrepancy in some of those, right? Where what do you, what do you one mean group by discrepancy? maybe said there's lack of access and another group said we have excellent access. Well, this has lack of access to beaches. 
for some people, right? Yeah, yeah. Goes to, and those are some of the things we want you to, to discuss in the smaller groups too, is maybe adding some clarity. So maybe it needs an extra statement at the end of some of those to, and the, some of the paragraphs I think in the policy statement get to a little bit more of that detail, but yeah, you're exactly right. And again, one of the one just want to sort of clarify that one of the things that we wanted to do with the policy framework and what you're going to see tonight and tomorrow night and other meetings is is give you something to react to. It's not final, um, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, what are your thoughts on parks and open space?" Right? We want to give you something that you can react to and tell us whether we're going in the right direction. So we expect that there are going to be things that are, you know, yay, this is great, and there are going to be things that are, this is off the mark and it needs to change. So that's what we're looking for. So we're looking for that, but again, we want to give you something to react to rather than a fully blank slate. Okay, um, let's go with public comments, and we're going to have um, two minutes each, I think. Is that what we, Susan, yes, what think you decided on? Yes, I looks like we have seven now, seven comments, seven speakers. Just your first and last name on a card. Okay, we'd like to just get a sense of if if there's anyone else who wants to ha do a public comment, so we can. We're going to try for time. ninety to ninety seconds to two minutes. So two minutes max, if we can put it there. Um, we are doing it a little differently this time because we're putting it kind of in the middle before the dialogue. So, um, but I can collect your comment for sure. And. There's definitely, and there's an email address for the associate with the general plan. You can email there anytime. Exhaustive comments also. So we will start with Karen. Oh, actually, Karen, did you just give me that just a second? You're, oh, you're Karen. So I was at the right spot. Okay, I just want to make sure I was in the right order. Karen Flock. And I'm going to give you the microphone here and start your time. Hi, I'm Karen Flock. I'm the chair of the Midtown Ventura Community Council, and we strongly support um, the proposed goal 1.12 about um, collaborating with the Ventura Unified School District to uh, have joint use agreements and open up um, school grounds for uh, public use after school hours. And uh, I think this is a, a goal that a lot of or some other community councils also support, although I can't speak for them. Um, and also, we strongly support that implementation about shared use agreements. Thank you very much, Karen. Daniel Holst. And I will tee up the next person so you know who's coming, Kathy Bremer. Yeah, good evening. Uh, my name is Daniel Holst. I'm the Deputy Director for Ventura Land Trust. Thank you for the opportunity to provide comment on the Open Space and Parks Framework. Uh, for a little context, Ventura Land Trust is a 501c3 nonprofit conservation organization that operates in and around the city of Ventura. Um, we currently own about 4,000 acres of land that's depicted in the maps uh, within the policy framework that we're reviewing tonight. Uh, hopefully some of you have been to places like Harmon Canyon where you can access open space free of charge seven days a week. Um, our goal is really to conserve open space and provide public access for the community. We submitted uh, six pages of comments today via email. Uh, I, I want to keep it fairly quickly, but Ventura Land Trust would encourage uh, the GPAC and the council to consider designating the lands that we own around the city of Ventura within the sphere of influence, also within city limits as open space rather than their, their current designations. Um, there is a space in the 
document that directly calls out Ventura Land Trust. We've added some language around our mission in that. And we would also like to encourage the city to consider um, and also add language around partnering with nonprofit organizations such as Ventura Land Trust, Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust, Ventura Botanical Gardens, around conserving more open space and providing public access. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And if those comments just came in, I think we'll probably be able to make those available for the GPAC by tomorrow. So Kathy and then Wendy is up next. Uh, I sent in a, a letter earlier too with some remarks. Um, a park strategic plan, that, was, that came up when we were dealing with the senior strate strategic plan. It came up that we were missing a park strategic plan. So we really need to add that. Uh, again, supportive of uh, collaboration with the school district to open schoolyards for public use, that's very important. To provide a 10 minute walk from all Ventura neighborhoods to access, access open space, convenient for kids after school and families. Ventura needs to develop a revenue stream to fund parks maintenance, whether it's an open space district, neighborhood land trust, or whatever other mechanism maintenance is an issue today. Um, in related to opening um, schoolyards for public use, I'd also like to add working with the community college district to reopen Ventura College fields for public use after hours. What else do I want to repeat here? Um, acquire parcels to develop additional community gardens with or without an adjacent park. Um, and address the issue of necessary if we have all of these goals and policies and actions regarding parks and open space that we provide the budget necessary for the parks department to accomplish their goals. Um, access points, additional access points to the Ventura River Parkway Trail, um, make sure that we continue with the greening of our community with trees along trails, parks, and um, elsewhere in the community. Uh, make sure that all new paths and trails are implemented in the safest possible manner. Dovetail, basically, um, oh, one of the things I saw that was in the um, 2005 general plan is restore Alessandro Lagoon, and then dovetail all of the plans together that work together, the ATP, the senior strategic plan, this plan, Ventura River Parkway plan, make them all work together. Thank you very much. Um, Wendy and then Bob. Bob got three. I just have a quick question about um, the in lieu fee for open space. Where does that go? Is that for new parks? Is it going to the general fund? Are you referencing Quimby? Oh. Questions during public comment, but if you want to post that question, we'll find an answer and be able to provide that to you. Okay. If it goes to the general fund, then maybe we could use some of that to create open spaces or whatever. That's the reason for the question. Great. Thank you so much. Um, Bob Guthrie. And Amy Cherry is up next. The city requires 4.6 acres of land for every 1,000 people. So to put that into simpler terms, for a development of 100 residential units or a little over 200 people, that would be adding one acre of open space. 
in the downtown, uh, for sale projects are allowed to pay an in-lieu fee. That fee is $7,500 per, per residential unit or dwelling unit. So let's take the example of a new development with 100 units in it. 100 units should dictate adding one acre of land, but if you do the math, 100 units times $7,500 per unit, that's $750,000, which seems like a lot, but I don't think there's very many acres of land in Ventura that you can buy for $750,000. Um, in downtown, an acre of land is going for north of $3 million, so quite a big gap there. Um, so that kind of says that maybe we should relook at the fees that we charge, the in-lieu fees, or come up with alternatives. And one alternative I was thinking of, um, when we upzone properties, we add significant value to the, the property owner. So wouldn't it be fair to require much larger setbacks, large enough to include linear parks around these properties? Um, if you consider the new apartments on Johnson, well, now that they're landscaped, they, or the first two are landscaped, they do look better. But imagine if those four massive buildings had a nice linear park around them. I think that would make a huge difference. Amy and then Christy. That was great, Bob. Um, Amy Cherry, hi, you guys. Um, back to uh, the sore lands being included. That heat map that showed the five-minute, ten-minute, and fifteen-minute walk to parks—they um, had the Soreland as dark purple, like that was the destination for the five-minute walk. Um, just want to point that out. Um, as going forward, um, one of the policies or goals should be um, when a new development is required to have open space, say it's an acre or two acres. Um, don't let them use city-owned property that's adjacent to it as part of their, um, to count toward their open space. Um, I know at one point um, the city had offered KB Homes the bluff to be included as part of their open space, um, which the bluff should be the bluff, kept open space, and then their open space should be separate. They should create their own park. Um, the same if it backs to a barranca or the beach, the developer shouldn't be allowed to use existing open space to count toward their, their requirement. Um, last but not least, it would be great to get a dark sky initiative in place so that the parks could have dark sky lighting, um, especially in the, the larger open areas um, where the wildlife really appreciates. Maybe even use red lighting. We went to Belize and they have this bioluminescent um, lake that the, all the lights on that side of, of the island are red. Pretty cool. I think that's it. I also support schools, colleges being an open agreement so that um, everyone could access those properties. Thank you, Amy. And our last speaker is Christy Weir. Thank you. Um, I just am in the process of reading the Thousand Oaks general plan, um, which, I, Amy, you, you did that plan, right? Yeah, um, and they just voted to approve it in December, so it's new. Um, and I was reading the park section of their plan. And ours, ours I, I think ours is really good, but there was a part in there where it talked about the goal being 10 acres for every 1,000 residents. That's the goal. And if I'm adding up correctly the list in Thousand Oaks, um, they have about 18 acres per 1,000 residents. 
and Ventura has about five acres per thousand residents of park space. So we are deficient um, in, the, in the goal of 10 acres. We're at half of that. And then there was a little comment in the general plan that said something like, well, but a lot of cities in the state are about five acres also, which to me is that that's not a good goal, <laughs> is to be half of the recommended amount just because other cities didn't make that goal. Um, we, I, we, I would love for us to have a stronger goal of actually having that 10 acres per thousand residents and, and make it happen through the goals and objectives and policies that are written out in the plan. And that way um, we can require of developers more um, open space and parks and not use the little tiny pieces. I also noticed in the Thousand Oaks um, plan that the list of parks, none of their parks were under two acres in that list. And ours list, our list, a lot of the parks listed in there were half an acre and a quarter of an acre and tiny little pieces that other cities don't even consider as parks. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, well that closes our public comment section unless I got, didn't get a card from somebody. I don't think I see anyone yellow waving card. So we are now going to, I'm gonna go back to the directions slide real quick. And thank you all very much for your comments. Okay, so we're gonna break into three groups, three groups of four. I think that gives good conversation. Um, as Matt said, we're gonna have a couple of maps. We'll have the maps of the existing parks. And we also have, I believe, a map that also shows the general plan designation. So if you wanna look at what some of the new designations are as well, just to kind of look at where you may think some additional resources might be needed. Um, you've, we're gonna ask you to mark up the map as a group with the post-it notes and the markers, um, where you think additional park lands should go or are needed. And you can also do that on a list. You don't have to do it on the map, but the map is there for your use as well. We also want you to take one copy of the policy guide the, or the policy framework and designate one person to jot down your notes as you are collectively discussing that as well. So if there are tweaks to the issues and opportunities, if there are tweaks to the policy statements, all of those, write those up, mark those up, and then we want you to we'll be asking you to share that back to the rest of the committee so you can compare notes and see what, where there's some level of consensus. Um, we're gonna just get up and move these tables around manually. So we'll just do, how about the four of you together? Is that okay? And um, we'll just do, make it easy that way, so you can all get around one of the tables. And then we'll come around one, two, three. Or maybe, yeah. We'll have you join this group over there, make it easier. Then we've got four of you here, so you've got this nice group. You can just bring a couple chairs around the other side, if you will. And for members of the public, we do have a couple of maps we'll put in the hallway for you as well. So we're gonna say about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, we'll, we'll check in with you about 30 minutes and see how you're doing. If you need some additional time, we'll, we'll let you use that as well.
So we'll do report outs in about four minutes. All right, I think we're ready to start some short report outs with the plan being to have each group share briefly what you talked about in terms of additional areas for parks and open space, and then a, a little bit on what you 
chatted about with in terms of policy. And our goal will be that we'll start tomorrow evening as a large group, and we'll summarize again some of the, the notes um, and observations, and have a, start having some conversation, finding where there was some consensus between the groups as well. So which group would like to start first? Take about four minutes or less. All right, then you guys it is. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's see, we talked about, um, one, we're having fun with the map, trying to find places that parks can go. Yeah, can you hear me okay? And um, uh, we thought, one, that it should be a priority to uh, have, um, to prioritize parks in high density areas. Uh, we talked about the area there on, on Thompson, as there's more housing that gets created along Thompson, is there's an area where the old mission, uh, mission uh, the uh, San Miguel Chapel, used to be, which was actually the sacred ceremonial grounds of the Chumash. So uh, there was an effort a couple, about 20 years ago to try to make Chumash Park next to that, and I think that could be very appropriate. Uh, great, just more of a resting place than activity type park. Uh, but that's one thing, and then perhaps considering a, parking, a park district, uh, depending on if the voters want something like that. Um, and, but most importantly is invest in school property and do joint operations and share expenses because those schools are absolutely placed where we would want parks. And it really is, they are amazing assets. That's um, the book, what did I miss you guys? Yeah, oh, yeah, college district as well as school district. Okay? Anything on the policy specifics? Yeah, there was one. Working with the schools was one for the joint. The park district. Oh yeah. The the implementation plan where it said um, try to convert one school a year to a park, increase that to maybe three, five, something like that. Okay. Be a little more aggressive. All right. Any questions for this group from the rest of the GPAC? All right. Thanks. All right. Who's presenting here? Who's here? Uh, so one of the things we did was, was go through, uh, and each of us gave our, our priority if we had one wish. So I think that's a good place to do it, a good, good suggestion. Uh, probably the main one was to establish uh, a master plan for the park system, for the parks and, <clears throat> and open space as well, because that, that kind of cements everything and we get that going because we don't really have one. Um, and the next favorite one was uh, capping the 101, which had been discussed a little, a few times, um, a couple of different aspects of that. Uh, connecting all of the bike paths. On the map, they showed some uh, projected, finishing those off, connecting them all, especially the ones that go up the Barrancas and so forth, to get that all uh, connected up. Um, and then the other one was to change one or both of the golf courses to open space or have other kinds of uses for it. And I was going to say, we, we really liked A.B. Cherry's idea of expanding the dark sky ordinance, so maybe including that in goal POS 1. And then um, definitely agreed on the school district collaboration. And then um, as far as goal POS 6 and Ventura's golf courses, um, we feel like it should be something the whole city votes on maybe. And because there's definitely some in our group who think it should be open access to all and not um, funded by the city for a niche kind of small group that golfs. And on the golf courses, sorry, this is just my hot take on, I 
don't feel a need to be subsidizing um, golf courses, especially when it floods every five years. Um, and so as we look to the future um, and dealing with how we can mitigate climate change, um, I don't want to, as a future, someone who wants to be in the city long term, I don't necessarily want to be spending city money on repairing the golf course every five years when it floods. So that's our hot, my hot take, but. It was a group take. Sounds like it was a group take. Um, so I'll open it up for other GPAC comments after we have this last um, presentation too, which is in case anyone else had thoughts on that. Who is presenting for you guys? They're all, they're all looking at Casey. All right, I'll try to distill this all down. I don't, okay, so one of the main things we said is that SOAR maybe doesn't have a place in the parks and open space plan because it's not really a publicly accessible space. And maybe we should even revisit the SOAR conversation, but that's a whole can of worms we'll open later. Um, uh, yeah, so we sort of came to the consensus that it's, yeah, maybe Louise is getting. So I know that uh, when we uh, got public input, uh, it was very, very clear that the public wanted to preserve the sore lands, right? Do not touch the sore lands. However, speaking directly with the farmers who actually farm these lands, it is a struggle. And it is also clear that the citizens of Ventura City don't support commercial farming. There's a lot of complaints whenever farmers move dirt, whenever they harvest, whenever there's agricultural operations. So, I, and, and this, was, this was me convincing the rest of the group, but I actually wonder if the feedback that we receive from the public, we should have looked into a little deeper. Is it really commercial agriculture that people want? If so, that's fantastic. I support farmers 100%. But if it's open space, if it's parks, if it's greenery that people want, maybe we need to revisit this question. Right, and if the people of Ventura truly do want agriculture, commercial agriculture here, which I am 100% for either way, then they need to really consider putting in strong policies in the new general plan that will actually help farmers protect farming and allow farming to continue into the future. Because if the complaints continue, if the costs continue to rise, if the conflicts between the surrounding residential and farming continue, we will not have farming. Yeah, definitely. So um, we fully support the VLT in getting all of that space zoned for open space and making it accessible to the public. Um, we decided that if Main Street moves becomes a permanent thing, that would be a really great place for a linear park. Um, if the if something happens at Pacific View Mall, that would be a great candidate to carve up part of that parcel for green space, open space of some sort. I feel like we have one more right here. Um, no, that's the mall. Okay, and then um, we just in the policy document made some notes on goal POS7. 
that accessible trails should be accessible beaches, parks, and trails, um, and that we should really do what we can to incorporate an accessibility mindset and make those things not just be compliant, but make those spaces really welcoming to people of all ability levels. Um, oh, we didn't like that the policy document under, let's see, it's goal three, 3.7 talked about AstroTurf. We all feel strongly that artificial turf is not a good sustainable option for the city and we would like to see some natural alternatives. Um, under 3.6, diverse, I'm going in reverse order, sorry, I'm scrolling up. In diverse park funding, we talked about how um, potentially the city could partner with other groups, maybe like the Botanical Gardens or VLT for park and open space maintenance and maybe even connect those groups to developers to um, do something really cool on their properties as well. Um, my group did not talk about this, but I flagged 3.4. I really like the idea of an on-site requirement for new development of a, over a certain size that they actually have to do something green and they can't get around that requirement. Um, oh, the big thing is we really strongly agree with the shared use agreements with the schools and the colleges. We think that's a really big place in the step in the right direction. And then also we didn't talk about, but I support a parks master plan. Did I miss anything from our group? On, I think, uh, 1.13, where it says connection with community partners, in addition to school districts, uh, facilities like Kaiser and CMH and VCMC and the County Government Center, uh, to be able to create spaces um, for activity, kind of like the new Kaiser did with their, you know, exercise loops and, you know, natural environments. And then on 2.2, universal access, we talked about improved, not just wayfinding signage, but signage that encourages like, you know, mile markers and you're almost there, like as you're heading to the beach and things like that, that make it a more um, exciting and interactive space to engage in. Awesome. So definitely hear a lot of consensus around the school. Um, engagement and building those relationships, master plan. Um, two areas that sound like maybe we need a little conversation on is the golf course, and I'd be interested to hear how some of the other two groups feel, and then the ag, the agriculture. And we have about, Stephanie, do you have a, I see your hand up, or it's Carbon, sorry. I was gonna add a few things. Just because I remember them. Um, for goal POS2 on park access, um, for striving to have all residents within a 15-minute walk access to a park, plaza, or open space, given that open space in some cases could be a fenced-off sore land, um, we were um, advocating that that be changed to tr from open space to trailhead, like accessible trailhead instead, seeing as open space could still be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, for 2.6, public safety, um, that we're not striving for safety in parks by providing lighting, that we're just... Um, providing lighting and to have we have a safe park so we have about four minutes and I think we need to use every minute we have together right because we we need a lot of that time so I'd, I would open up maybe the, the conversation around the golf course question um, first or the agriculture if anyone has any comments on that Dana oh yeah no master church no astroturf um, I we talked about the whole thing that you were mentioning about the sore lands um, early on, 
and that it felt like the that the that the idea was that people really wanted it to be open space not necessarily agriculture and then my memory of the process is that then when the public went no um, really clearly, I really appreciate your saying that, Louise, about you know maybe going a little deep, examining that a little bit more deeply, um, and so I just want to say that that's a that's been a thread through what uh, some of our discussions, and I think it's a good one. I don't know what we can do at this point in the process, but I I appreciate that that particular point of. Um, you know, and the dynamics around it are complicated, but I think that that's a good one to look at. Susan, can I jump in for a second? Um, just, I, I think I didn't mention this previously, which is that, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice here, that um, we're gonna have a sort of a mini survey feedback form um, on each of these different policy topics. So we're gonna, we're planning on putting something out about parks and open space. So if there is a question that we wanna ask about ag and sore lands, you know, we can think about adding that in and get some more feedback on that. So in other words, we, we have a process built in, well there's, there's a additional engagement through feedback, um, feedback forms and surveys that we can do with this. So we, a lot of these topics we can bring to the public. Will we be able to um, help you craft? You can help that? me craft. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to help. Right, yeah. Another comment on, on that particular topic or the golf course? Sure. <laughs> but I like I want to preface my whole thing about the golf course with like I I re I legitimately don't understand like the economics of it so if any member of the community can educate me on like why we need two golf courses um, I would love to talk to you uh, I'll speak just very briefly to the to soar and Louise's point um, I think what's clear about uh, about public sentiment is that they don't want to see residential development on the on those lands, um, and really that's my understanding uh, of the, all the work I've done on SOAR is that it prohibits residential development uh, without uh, you know the, changing the land use designation without uh, pub, uh, a vote of the public. So um, I think the that in my opinion the. Uh, momentum from the community or the consensus from the community is that they just don't want to see a bunch of housing developments on that land. Which I think is true. I think um, Louise's point was between open space and housing development, what's in the middle? And is agriculture that piece in the middle or is there something else that community members may be asking those deeper questions to dive a little bit deeper beyond just residential or no residential, right? So I think that's kind of the big question. All right, it is 8.30. I want to respect our closing time. Um, we will reconvene together as a, a large group. If you could leave your notes or if you have typed notes, if you could email them to us. Um, we'll have a little bit of a summary to start with and then dig into some of the, some moving ahead on the, the open space and parks topic and then also doing the EJ. So please read everything again if you can by tomorrow and we'll reconvene. And if there are um, members of the public that have additional comments, if you could submit those via email as well or in writing, we'll definitely make sure that all the committee members get those.